0: Well, good morning! morning. Happy New Year. It is so good to be with you. My name is Kevin Aki. I'm on staff here at Sharon United Methodist Church, and I'm just so blown away so far by our services so far. Can we just say thanks to our choir and our band and Kathy and Cole? This is awesome. I love doing this, you know, and we talked about this as a staff. We've been playing about this for a long time, and I'm like, man, this is a blast I'm having a lot of fun so far, and I hope that you are too as well. Well, I do got to say one thing. Speaking of staff, today is Pastor Nancy's birthday, and she hates that I'm mentioning this. Yeah, here's here's why I want to mention this. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Nancy is so incredible. She does so many things behind the scenes for you and for us as a staff and for you as a congregation. She's the kind of person when you say, hey, I've got something going on. She says, well, let me pray for you about that. And then she actually does it. And she prays pretty consistently, and I just so appreciate that about you, Nancy. And I'm so thankful that I get to work alongside with you every single day. I've just learned so much from you. So thank you so much for being here and working on your birthday today and being with us. It's just such a joy to have you around. So, yeah, yeah. Now, January is going to bring up some pretty cool things, so I do want to jump back in. Uh, Pastor Nancy talked about this a little bit. The first thing is, is South Park Church. It's happening in January, so the next time that we come... That's what we're going to be addressing us as a church as. So I'm super excited about that. Now, you're going to see a lot of stuff online talking about southparkchurch.com. I want to have you please, 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 please share that on your Facebooks. I know you have Facebooks because half of you just wrote on my wall for my birthday, okay? So I want to make sure that we're talking about the right things on social media, and this is such a positive, great thing to talk about that. So when you see those posts, make sure that you jump in and share those as well. The other thing that's happening is we're going to be diving into the story in January, okay? Now, this is an exciting thing. I, I probably read 25, 30 books a year, and this has been one of my favorite books that I've ever purchased in red, and I love it. It is an abridged version of the Bible, and look how thick it is, and it's only 10 bucks. I mean, this is a deal. This is at least worth $25 worth of paper, okay? <laughs> and we're only gonna sell these to you for 10 bucks because here's the deal we wanna be able to give these away to our guests and people that come. Now, if you're a guest with us, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Please stop by and pick up a, a, a copy of the story on your way out and you may say well I can afford it. I want to give the 10 bucks no this is our Christmas gift to you thanks for being here we love you and if you're uh, you call this place home and this is where you regularly attend we want to uh, ask you to purchase these for 10 bucks because when you buy it for 10 bucks not only are you buying it for you but you're also paying for somebody else to get a copy of this so it's pretty cool that you can invite your friends to church they show up and they can get a copy because you've already purchased yours so please 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 do this. I'm looking forward to that starting. Now, we are in a series um, called The Best Hope, and last week, uh, Kyle talked with us about The Best Hope, and he shared with us about how Jesus is the best hope. So we're going to go and continue that conversation today. Now, for those of you that came in this morning, and you're, you're not watching online because you actually came, and if you are watching online, I'm glad that you're here. But for those of you that are here, Packed House, I love this Um, we're going to be jumping into this and keep talking about this. And maybe you walked in here hoping for a short sermon. Well, I'm hoping that I can deliver that and that proof that that joy and that promise can be delivered. So we'll see how it goes. All right. So I I don't know about you, but at my house, opening gifts on Christmas was like by far one of my most favorite things um, that we did. And here's why it was so fun and special this year. Because this year I got to be with my four-year-old niece, Leona. Now, Leona was having a My Little Pony Christmas, right? My brother had emailed us out, and he said, this is what I've got, or anything else is free game, My Little Pony. And Leona knew that she was having a My Little Pony Christmas, and here's the deal. When we do gifts, we all kind of wait and get our coffee first and kind of get dressed. And then we make our way down the living room at my parents' house. And we all kind of sit around and we divvy the gifts up. And then the youngest person starts opening their gifts first. Well, Leona, of course, got to go first. And she'd she, she she grab a package and she'd say, okay, here I go. I'm going to open it. I'm going to show everyone it's ponies. And we're like, Leona, you got to open it first. Like, you got to have the gift that's that's starting there. But she was so confident And her hope was so strong that it was going to be ponies. Every gift that she unwrapped that she didn't even have to open it first to know. And what a beautiful picture that is for Christian salvation. It's a great picture of our faith. Because we know what it is before we even open it. And it's fully delivered to us in heaven, our salvation. We get to be with Jesus. We have confidence and hope that that is what it is. We don't even have to unwrap it. We know what it is first. And you have to wait completely to get all of it. But that's exactly where patience and hope intertwine. That's where patience and hope come together. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about not only what that hope is, but how to maintain that hope. So we're going to be jumping into Scripture today. And uh, we're going to really uncover what that hope looks like and how to maintain that. And we're going to be jumping into Romans eight. Verse twenty-three. So if you want to go ahead and grab your phone out, I I love keeping the Bible app on my phone. It's right there. I can just go through and 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 get all kinds of different verses and scriptures. And so if you guys want to go ahead and pull out your Bibles out on your phone, you can go and do that. No one's going to accuse you of texting or anything like that. We're going to assume that you're reading the Bibles. So go ahead and pull that out, and I'm going to be going through the NLT, the New Living Translation. So if you want to follow along with me, you can jump into Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-three in the NLT. And, um, you know, when we think about this, and, and as, a, as a pastor who speaks, my biggest request that I get from people is to say, you know, make the Bible real for me. How, how, do, I, how do I understand the Bible? And I want to be able to apply it to my life. And so today, as we jump into Romans 8, I really do think that the Bible going to come alive in a powerful and new way for you Today, it's 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 one of these verses and one of these sections of scripture where it just jumps out and it's still so relatable even after so many years that it was written. Now, the book of Romans was written by a guy named. Paul. Now, Paul used to be called Saul, and he went from killing Christians, and he was kind of the guy that was out getting all the Christians and pointing out who they were and getting them arrested and getting them killed, things like that. He has this incredible experience on the side of the road, and Jesus comes in and changes his life. He changes his name. It's a new name for a new mission. Sound familiar? And what happens is, is Paul then ends up spending the rest of his life going out and helping people understand the thing that he is so passionate about. And he's out helping people see this new hope that he has found. And so Paul goes and he visits churches and he plants churches, but he also writes letters. And so many of the letters that he wrote are we find in the New Testament. And so Romans is one of those books. Now, this is about 20 years into Paul's ministry. So at this point, after his conversion, Paul's had about 20 years experience of going out and traveling and visiting and encouraging Christians. And so what he says today, I believe, is gonna be so powerful, it will change the way that you think about your faith. So I'm super excited to jump into this. So here's what Paul says. Let's jump into Romans uh, 8, 23 and the first part of 24. Here's what it says. And we believers also grown. Pay attention to that word, grown. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. And we were given this hope when we were saved. Now, I told you to pay attention to that word, grown. Now, the Greek word for that word groan that Paul would have used is stenadzo. Say that with me, stenadzo. Come on, let me hear you say it, stenadzo. Here's what that word means. It means to express grief, anger, or desire. It's to groan because of a pressure of being exerted forward, pressure from what is coming on, kind of like the pressure in the the groans that you would would feel in childbirth. And in some versions of scripture, Paul actually references childbirth in that. And so it means to push through whatever it is that you're surrounded by to push through and mer- and move forward now I want you to, again, remember this part. This is going to be key for later in our time together, and I'm going to remember it because I spent all day yesterday in the hospital with my nephew being born, so I'm definitely going to remember the word groan and pushing through, but to help you remember this word and being able to push through and groan, we're all just going to groan together, okay? This is going to be the last groan that you have of 2017, so in the count of three, we're all just going to groan together. Let me hear your loudest groan. If it's so loud, I might even just stop there and we'll just end. Okay, here we go. One. One, two, three. Ugh. Okay, I think we can do better than that. Come on. One, two, three. Ugh. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I've always wanted to do that. Sorry. Uh, So Paul gets us. He understands it. He says, listen, I know that you're going to groan. He says, we believers groan. Notice he doesn't say, you do this, or you need to stop doing this, as so many other times that he does in his letters. He says, hey, we believers, we all groan together. And here's the thing, groaning is not something to be ashamed of. Well, some of you just groaned pretty awfully, so maybe that's a little different. But groaning and the act and the thought of groaning is not something to be ashamed of. There's going to be times to groan. Now, if you look at verse 23, it's going to be highlighted on your screen. We're groaning because we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Now, some of you wives groan. Every single time your husband sees a side portrait of him, you groan in that moment. I don't know. Maybe that's just my wife. I don't know. We groan. There's going to be seasons where we groan. Some of you are groaning because you've been dealing with the same sin your entire life and you're so tired of this thing creeping back up and, and falling back down to that, that you're just so tired of that, and you just say, God, I just want it to be over. God, release me from this. Some of you have experienced incredibly traumatic and terrible, awful things this year, and you're done, and you're tired of it, and you don't want to deal with it anymore, and you're groaning. Here's what Paul's telling us. He's saying, you're not alone. When you groan, let's say that together. I'm not alone. I'm not alone when I groan. Remember that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's going to be times when you groan. And the reason that we groan is not because it's so bad now, but because we know how great it's going to be in the future. We know that eventually we're going to get to spend time with Jesus eternally in heaven, and it's going to be so fantastic and so amazing that we compare that time to now, and we're like, oh, just push us through forward. Let's just keep moving us. And Paul's saying, I get it. It's tough. Life is hard. But we can know that we have this incredible hope that God has given us in our future. So, Then Paul drops some wisdom about hope. And Paul begins to really explain what this hope really is. Let's jump into the second half of 24 and into into verse 25. It says, If we have already done something, we don't need hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Patiently and confidently. See, this hope... This expectation exists because we don't have it yet. And if we already did, then we wouldn't need hope, right? I'm really hoping for a fishing kayak someday. But when I get it, I'm no longer going to hope for it. I'm just going to go in the backyard and get it. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law were really hoping for a baby, right? They got that surprise yesterday, and now they're no longer hoping for it because they have their son, and it's so exciting, right? Now, my guess that is that each of us, is really hoping that we get to spend eternity in heaven one day. I mean, I think that's a pretty good assumption to make, considering the alternative. The Bible's very clear that it's going to be either one or the other. And so the other option isn't really that cool, if you haven't heard about it, but heaven is going to be fantastic. And so we're hoping for that. And so Paul says, because you're hoping for something you don't yet have, wait patiently and confidently. Now... For me, it's a little bit easier to be confident in that because I know how great God is. I know the fantastic things that God has done and will continue to do. I believe that God is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, and he's going to do what he says he will do. It's very easy for me sometimes to be confident in that. But being patient, well, that's a whole other ball game. My dad, he gave my brother and I uh, scratch-off tickets, lottery tickets, for Christmas, Now, if you remember, in our family, you're kind of supposed to just wait for your turn. But as soon as my dad released those, my brother and I, we like grabbed those. We pulled our army knives out of our pants, and we're just like scratching away. We're just going, we're just going, we're trying to scratch, right? And here's the thing is so many of us spend our life that way, just furiously going through it, hoping for a prize at the end. But what Paul says is he says, wait patiently and confidently. Okay, so how do we do that? How are we supposed to actually be patient in that? I mean, that's pretty difficult to do. Well, Paul transitions here because we're all feeling a little bit worried about this. And here's what he says in verse 26 and 27. And he gives us two two ways to do this. We'll see the first in 26 and 27. Verse 26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But... The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. But the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, these are going to be some of the most powerful scripture and verses that you read in the Bible about prayer. And here's why, is is maybe you've been asking some tough questions about prayer recently. Maybe you don't really know how to pray or, or how to go about that. Maybe you don't know what words to say or when the appropriate time is to pray or things like that. And sometimes I can feel like that too. And so I have to go back and remind myself of these verses. You know, it's like, what if I'm praying for something that could, you know, indefinitely hurt me or cause me harm? It's like a child that's like really wants to touch a hot stove. But God, the good heavenly father that he is, helps us and guides us. He sends the Holy Spirit down to help us and gives us the words to say. I love the way that C.H. Dodd defines prayer. Here's what he says. He says, prayer is the divine in us appealing to the divine above us. The divine in us appealing to the divine above us. And that's what God does is he sends the Holy Spirit to plead on our behalf. And Paul goes on from there. Here's the second part he says to wait patiently. He says, verse 28, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, we can know that God is intermingling everything on our behalf. And to me, this is one of the most powerful and hope-filled statements that I can read in the Bible because I can say, okay, it's not about me. I don't have to have it all figured out. I can just simply release that over to God, give that to God, and he's going to take care of it in the driver's seat. And the great part about this verse is that this verse, this promise is for all of those who love God. So if you're sitting in here this morning or you're watching online and you love God, this promise is for you. So we don't have to be very old to look back and see this in our own life. Things that we thought were going to be total disasters, we find out to be really cool things that worked out okay. And things that we thought were going to be total burdens end up being complete, utter blessings so far beyond that we could ever imagine when I look back in my own life, I can see how God's kind of guided my life and moved me here and there and in, helped me meet people or, or get away from people or situations or things. And God's just kind of guiding me and he's putting it all together. And so I love that I can just hand over the keys to God and let him be the driver. And this is the hope that I hold on to. This is one of the ways that I maintain my hope is that I can just know that God's got it and I can fully trust God. Now, fully trusting god is a difficult thing. And this season isn't joyous for all of us. And we read Romans 8:28 and we think about these things and we think, well, "Okay, well what about if I just experienced the loss of a loved one? What if I just lost a job? What if my house just got burned down? What if I'm in a feud with a family member and we just can't get it figured out? God, is that really working towards my purpose?" See, in the Christian community, we love to talk about how God takes broken pieces and puts them back together. We love talking about that as a church, and that's a good thing, and that's true. But what happens when we look down in our life, and it's so wrecked, and it's so disastrous, and we say, we don't even see broken pieces because all we see is dust. It's one thing for us to pick up the broken pieces of our life and glue them back together for God to do that, but when you look at dust, you can't glue dust together back together. So how do you do that? Where's the hope in that? I love the way that Lisa Turkhurst talks about that. She says, dust is the very ingredient that God loves to use. See, if we read in Genesis, we can see how God took his hand into the dust and he formed man with it. We see how God and sent his son Jesus to spit down into the dirt and mix it up together and then wipe that dust and that dirt onto a blind man's eyes, and he could see. The Bible talks about how God is the great potter, and when you mix together that dust with water, that great potter takes that, forms clay, and he can form that clay into anything that he wants to. See, here's the thing about dust. Dust is a great sign that new is just on the horizon. Amen? Amen. So look, you're not always going to see the good that comes from it. But the promise is that God will use that for good. And it's not our job to see or understand or figure it out how it all comes together. All our job is to do is to just hand over the keys to God and release that to him. And when you release that to God, and when you truly make God not only the Savior of your life, but the Lord, the boss of your life, you will truly experience a new and profound hope that you've never experienced before. And this can be a great feeling at first. You know, it's, it's fantastic, and we cry, and we're so excited, and we, we talk about how we're going to make all these changes in our lives, and we start to do that. But the problem comes when we're trying to maintain that hope. You know, I think about the high school student that goes to summer camp or Christian summer camp or goes to REACH, and they make all these big promises to God, and they say they're going to make all these changes in their life, and then what happens is they come back, and the mountaintop experience is over, and they go back to school, and it's, it's a little bit harder to be a Christian when you're around all your friends. Or maybe you have this powerful, incredible experience on Sunday morning in worship, and then you go to work the next Monday, and it all hits the fan, and it's just like, What happened? How do we keep this hope going? How does it that we feel renewed? Romans 8, 28 is a powerful verse, but how do we maintain that? How do we continue to feel its power? Well, here's the big idea for today. To push through with hope, renew your hope. If you wanna push through your life and continue to maintain that hope, you're gonna have to go back and renew that hope. And you're probably gonna have to renew that hope often. See, when we accept Jesus, it's great, but it doesn't end there with just that decision. There's a whole relationship to follow. I love to talk about the beach in Christianity because there's so many things that line up together. And so often we can think, you know, our faith and our Christianity is like a sandcastle that we come down the beach and we're so excited. We make this decision. We build this sandcastle and it's so beautiful. And then what do we do? We guard it. We don't want anybody to touch it. We don't want anything to mess it up. And then what happens? The waves come in and knocks it all down. See, I think our faith is more like a walk down the beach than it is a sandcastle. I think Jesus comes to us and says, that's a great sandcastle, but get up, come, follow me. And we don't know where that journey is going to take us, but we know that Jesus is going to be with us every step of the way. So we have to renew that hope. So I want to give you three ways that you can renew your hope in 2018 and years to, for years to come. That's how we're going to maintain this hope for 10, 20, 30 years in after this decision. So here's the first one. Renew with God's presence. We're going to renew our hope with God's presence. If you want to renew your hope, up your prayer time. Psalms 23, 4, David writes that he's not afraid because he knows that God is with him. My question for you is, are you making time in your schedule, in your daily walk, to have presence and invite God? invite God's presence into your day, into your schedule? Are you making time for God? You can't complain that you're not close to God if you don't ever call him. You know, last year in January, we had this series called "I'm In," And we had this challenge that we gave our church at the end of the series that we we're all going to set uh, alarms on our phones or alarms in our homes at 109 referencing Joshua 109, and we were going to pray for God to continue to lead and guide our church through this dream big project. My question is, is how many alarms are going to go off at 109 today? I love praying with alarms, and I've got several alarms on my phone, and one of them goes off at 515, and every day at 515, I pray for my mother-in-law. No, not because I hate her, but because I love her, right? She's incredible. And she's got back pains, and so every day at 5.15, I get this little alarm, and I say, okay, I get to pray for mom. And I pray for her, and you know what the cool thing is, is I'm not doing that alone, and her back has started to feel better throughout this year. And it's just so incredible. My wife came up with that idea, and we've been doing that as a family. It's just been awesome. Set some alarms on your phone and just say, hey, this is important to me, and I want to pray. And, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in the busyness of our day. It's okay. You're not alone when you grown. So you set an alarm, on your phone, and it reminds you to spend some time with God. It doesn't have to be long, just a quick prayer. Another new way that you can pray and invite God's presence is with a prayer walk. You ever done that? You just grab your coat, you go outside, and you walk through your neighborhood. And the best part about this is that you never run out of things to pray for or things to say. If you walk by your neighbor's house, you pray for that neighbor. You pray for their family. You pray for their kids. You pray for their marriage. You pray for their jobs. You walk to the next house to do the same thing. You walk past a business, you pray for the people who work there, the, the person that owns that company, the people that visit there. You never run out of things to pray for when you do a prayer walk. I love it. Another way to do this and a new way to pray is a prayer journal. Go grab a small binding notebook, put it somewhere where you spend time with God, and just write down your prayers. It's incredible when you have this physical response and you and you pray by writing it down and then you're able to look at it, read it, and then months later go back And read it again. It's such a cool experience when you're able to do that and see those prayers. And it helps keep your thoughts focused. If you're kind of like me and you're all over the place, you know, when you pray and sometimes you want to get more focused, this is a great way to do it. uh, And if you think, you know what, I don't really feel God in my prayers. Just keep at it. Keep practicing. Keep trying. And then you can turn to God's word. You know, this is a great way to experience God's word. Psalm 119, I read in my prayer this morning, it says that, um, you know, that we can rely on God's word as our hope. That's what the psalmist writes in Psalm 119. And I love that, and I can connect with that so well. You know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Don't complain that God's mouth is closed when your Bible isn't open. Are you spending time every single day in God's word? There's Bible apps on our phones. It makes it so easy. If we get caught up at work or if we want to take five minutes or 10, 15 minutes sometime, there's plans on there that will help keep you on track and teach you new things, little devotionals. It's so easy. We're going to, as a church, we're going to go through the story. We want to equip you as a church to go through and learn something new about the Bible. Now, if you've got the Bible all figured out and you know every single thing and understand of it, this probably isn't the series for you. But for the rest of us, we're going to travel through this book. We're going to read this abridged version of the Bible, and we're going to learn some new and powerful things together. And it's going to be so exciting. Just take some time to read through God's Word and make this the year, 2018, where you say, I'm going to grasp and understand the Bible in a new, powerful way. Here's the next one. Let's renew with God's Praise. Renew with God's praise. Renew by stepping up your worship game. See, we get to come every single week and we can sing, we can raise our hands. I love watching Pastor Kyle. He sits over here every single Sunday, and I I love just watching him because he's a terrible singer, but man, the guy can sing, right? And he sings and he raises his hands. And I love that. I love that our pastor leads our worship effort through that. And you can do that too you might say, well, it's a little uncomfortable. Well, that's what we're doing when we're worshiping is we're saying, Jesus, God, you are above me. You are more important than me. So I'm gonna do these things to worship and to honor you. It's this powerful thing that happens. It will ignite a new thing for worship with you. Maybe for you, it's just standing and singing. Maybe just singing isn't something you've been doing. That's the next step that you need to take. Maybe a next step that you could take to change and elevate your worship is just holding out your hands. And it doesn't matter if you're singing a hymn or a Christmas choral or uh, the latest worship song. It doesn't matter which service that you attend. Something powerful happens when we have a physical response. When we do something, these words that you sing are going to come to life in your heart in a whole new way. It will ignite something powerful in you. you know, and this starts with coming to church. Now, here's the, the sad thing about society in America, and Charlotte included, is they did a poll and they said, what do you think the average attender goes to church? What does it mean to, you know, if you're a regular attender of church, how often do you attend? You know what they said? A little less than once a month. That's 12 times a year, if that. And we wonder We wonder why we feel this emptiness and this brokenness consistently. It's because we're not coming to be renewed. And the worst part is, is when we go on vacation, we think we get a vacation from God. We think, well, I've worked really hard, and so I'm not going to go to church on vacation. Guys, there are some incredible churches that you can go to and experience God in a powerful way. You know, at the beach, they have churches where you just wear flip-flops to church. It's incredible. And if you need help, like finding a church when you're on vacation, call us. We'd love to connect you with a church that you can go and attend to while you're on vacation. I mean, what would happen? What would happen in 2018 if you made attending church your family's top priority? What would happen with your family? Imagine what your kids would think. Imagine how your kids are going to grow up and lead their families if they watch you make church a priority. You know, we keep saying we want God to encourage us while we ignore him. Like, how does that work? And this is going to be a tough bet for some of you, you know, because I know that there's some, there's some problems and there's some difficulties with this. It's hard for some of us to get up and to get up early and attend church. Well, that might mean that we need to adjust our schedule on Saturday so that we're prepared to come to church on Sunday. And you think, well, you know what, my kids' soccer games. Well, That might mean that you might need to lead your family in a way that you say you need to change the team that your kid plays on. Some of you say, well, you know, I just might have to sell some football tickets or I just might have to show up to the tailgate late. Let me say this. You can't expect God's greatest blessings when you keep him at your lowest priority. Let me say that again so it can sink in. You cannot expect God's greatest blessings when you keep him at your lowest priority. And every time that you come and you show up to church, whether it's here or another church, I promise you, you're gonna feel renewed in that spirit over time. You're gonna find yourself in that groove and you're gonna find yourself in a hope that you've never felt before because that's the hope that you're relying on. And you will refresh your faith. Come be renewed with God's praise. Here's the last one. Renew with God's purpose. Renew with God's purpose. Renew your hope with God through his purpose. Now, this is a big one, and here's why. Now, I mention this because we can kind of get tempted to make our life and our purpose about us, about what job we're going to have, how much money we're going to give away, the way that we're going to lead our family or our marriages or things like that. And we've totally shifted this away from God's purpose. And we as Christians, oh man, we're really good at this because what we do is we disguise this as God's will for us. We think, God, well, what's your will for us? But then what happens is we take this thing that we call God's will and we twist it to make it something that's really gonna benefit us. I love the way that... Henry Blackaby says this. This is a a book that I'm currently reading and I'm almost finished with it. And again, this is one of my favorite books that I've read this year. It's called Experiencing God. So if you wanna jump into an awesome book this winter, go grab Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. It's an old book. Uh, I love it. And here's what he says. He says, God has far more in store for your life than merely giving you an assignment to accomplish for him. God has so much more for your life than just something that you need to do Go back and think about Genesis. God created Adam and Eve because he wanted a relationship with him. He didn't need Adam to create the garden. He had already done that and rested. He created Adam and Eve because he wanted someone to enjoy the creation with. God desires a relationship with each and every single one of us. So rely on God's purpose. That's God's will for your life is to have a relationship with him. Renew yourself with that purpose. So to push through with hope, renew your hope. With God's presence, with God's praise, and with God's purpose. I love the way that the author of Hebrews describes hope. Hebrews 6.19, he says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope. As an anchor. Here's the the thing about anchors is that the boats are attached to the anchor, and sometimes the storms are happening way up here, and the boat's kind of rocking and moving, but it's not drifting away because it's tied to an anchor that's firm and secure to the seabed, okay? And in the new year, you're going to have some storms that happen, and your boat's going to rock. You know what's going to happen. But our best hope, our best hope happens when we have a firm and secure relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's why this is such a powerful visual. Because when you get on a boat and you have an anchor that's hanging down, you can't see the anchor. But you feel that it's there and you know that it's there because when the storms come and you start to drift, you feel its firmness. Church. In 2018, you're going to have some storms, and you might not be able to see that hope, but you'll know that it's there when you feel that firmness in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Renew your hope. That's how we have the best hope, as we continually go back and renew our hope. Let's pray.